0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a beautiful Thursday afternoon, and uh, by that I mean it's pouring rain here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's time for another edition of Locked On NFL Draft, and uh, we're gonna take a look at the top ten, and not so much in a mock draft predictive sense. Um, a little we'll see a little bit of that might seep in, but. I really think that this year we have so much intrigue in the top 10, man. We have rumors that a bunch of teams want to trade down, rumors that a couple teams want to trade up. Uh, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report talking about that, that San Francisco's spot at number two there could be wide open. And and if, if everything stays pat, the number two pick, I think everybody at least admits Miles Garrett's going to Cleveland. But after that, man, the number two pick holds so much intrigue in this class because we don't, I mean, there are so many different directions it could go. Just to give you a rundown of what we're hearing from for San Francisco, Solomon Thomas is the hot guy. Everybody's saying Solomon Thomas to San Francisco makes a ton of sense. They're moving to a 4-3. He's a great fit in their front. I agree. It makes complete sense. I would be completely on board with that pick. Uh, he's a top-five player in this class for me. Uh, big Thomas fan. There's some projection there, but he's the guy I trust to continue to develop and get better. Um, Leonard Fournette and Reuben Foster. Matt Miller, Bleacher Report. Reporting and writing about, I believe it was last week that both of those guys could be a fit in San Francisco. There would be some irony to one of the weakest teams in the NFL, one of the weakest rosters in the NFL, taking a player at the two positions they're probably strongest at. Um, with them having Devora Bowman back and healthy, and reportedly the reports have been good from what I've heard about his health, and um having Malcolm Smith brought into the fold as well at a low position of value at number two. Doubt that happens. Um, and running back probably not a great position of value on the offensive side of the ball probably one of the the least valued positions and they're talking about taking a guy number two when they already have Carlos Hyde in the fold and I know Hyde has some injury concerns and those do need to be vetted and, and discussed but man I just think if you're San Francisco and that's the pick you make at number two I'm not sure how much better you've made yourself for the future or how much better you've made yourself immediately. I mean, both of these guys help for sure. Both are really good players. And it's hard to knock the picks from that standpoint. But I don't see either of these guys. I mean, the most important I would rather them take Solomon Thomas than either of these guys, I think, because the most important positions in the game are quarterback or pass rushers. And and if you're number two, even no matter where I have guys ranked, I think you've got to consider that positional value as a team. Um, you know, as an individual evaluator, I don't have to think about team needs and team values. I can just rank guys other than kickers and punters where they basically play their position the best. So even if that's a guard and you don't value guard in the top 10, if a guy is that good at his position, I'll put him in the top 10, even if I don't think he should actually be picked there. And so, but with a team, it's totally different. You have to think about who fits your roster, who makes sense there. And for San Francisco, I would lean toward quarterback or Thomas or a pass rusher here because... I think with number two, man, how many times are you going to be there where you can take a player of that much value? So I think that um, that's a big pick for them, obviously, an important pick for their franchise. They could come back in the second. I think they have a 34th pick. They could come back there and, and maybe try and take a quarterback at that point in the draft if they wanted to. But you're, you're taking a risk with not knowing who's going to be available, and maybe if you are trying to move up from 34, you're also giving up some resources. So if San Francisco can trade down, you know if they have if they have it wide open on their board and and we've talked about Jamal Adams there talked about Malik Hooker potentially going there I mean there's just been about everybody you know, several of the quarterbacks I mean you could probably make a list of ten guys that could go to San Francisco at number two and there would be a, a decent sized group of people that would not be surprised if they were the pick so if that's how San Francisco's board really looks and they don't have anybody they really value if they're stuck there they'll take somebody but they don't really aren't that passionate about it then. They should take whatever they can get to trade down, add another pick, even if it's just a second rounder, a second rounder next year, whatever it is, move down a couple spots and still be able to land a guy that you really like. Um, Maybe that's a quarterback. Um, I'm not sure, but it it doesn't appear that Chicago is going to take a quarterback. We'll talk about Jacksonville and quarterbacks in a second, but I think at four, that might be a little bit of a reach. But it looks like San Francisco and Chicago both steering away from the quarterback position which is in a whole, probably a whole podcast in and of itself. And we talked earlier this week with Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon about the quarterback fits and where he sees some of the teams being interested in quarterbacks based on their offensive systems. But if, if San Francisco and Chicago both pass on a quarterback, and, and we can safely say Jacksonville might not take one at four, um, Tennessee's not taking a quarterback. The Jets have a chance, I guess, maybe, but it doesn't seem like anybody's thinking in that direction right now. haven't heard anybody leaning in that direction right now. I think we're going to see these quarterbacks fall outside the top 10 unless somebody trades back up and gets in there. Because Carolina's not, Cincinnati's not, Buffalo's not. New Orleans could, uh Cleveland could at 12, Arizona could at 13. You know, then the list starts to really develop. Um, you know, well, obviously Kirk Cousins situation is unknown. I think Washington would be a surprise. Uh but then when you, even when you get into the 20s, so there's teams that could be interested. The Giants, the Texans, the Steelers, Kansas City potentially, you know. So, and more than anything, I think you're going to see teams jumping into those 20s uh to grab one of the quarterbacks and get that 50-year option. So, I think we're going to see that happen. Now, Jacksonville's situation's intriguing because they have—I think I saw—until May third, so right after the draft, to decide on whether they're going to pick up Bortles' fifth-year option or not. And this will be his fourth season, so it's basically. and Mark said it the other day on the podcast: the hour, the sand, in the hourglass is really dropping through at this point for Bortles. His career's got to move in a direction pretty decisively pretty soon or they're going to have to or or they're going to be stuck maybe without a backup plan and so they're probably already formulating an idea of what they're going to do with that option but I think that that's going to be an important part of this for Jacksonville is figuring out that future before they get into the draft and figuring out where Bortles is currently at the word on the street is he's working hard his mechanics have cleaned up and, and he looks good from what we've seen of him just little videos of him throwing look a lot better but Obviously, Jacksonville's going to have the best perspective on that. I don't think they're going to take a guy number four at the top of the second round or trading back into the first. I don't think that's out of the question at all. So if the teams that need quarterbacks apparently not steering towards them in the first round or in the top of the first round anyway is one of the most interesting storylines here because last year you had a draft where most most draft analysts, I think, were saying this isn't a great quarterback class. There's some good talent here, not great talent. You know, There's guys that can be good in great situations. And instead, what you had was a lot of these teams at the top of the draft obviously valuing the position very highly. I mean, you talk about F- Philadelphia and L.A. both trading up to get a quarterback and trading up considerable resources. So almost a full 180 from that. Now, this year you have guys with and a quarterback class that I actually think is a little bit better than last year's class. In a quarterback class like this... You have teams wanting to trade back and not wanting to take a quarterback in the top 10 and and take quarterbacks that could fall. I mean, we're facing a situation where we could have no quarterbacks go in the top 10. Now, I don't think that'll happen because I think somebody will get ants in their pants and try and jump up over Cleveland at 12 or something like that, but... I do think that we're closer to that point than we've been, uh, than we typically are when a draft comes around, um, where there just isn't a whole lot of value right now for these teams. And I think it's a good class otherwise, so teams want to take best players available and, and get a guy that they think can help their team right away. So this is a very polarizing quarterback class with tastes all across the board, and and not all these guys will fit. With every single team. There's not a universal fit type quarterback like an Andrew Luck or someone like that. So I do think it's uh, more polarizing than in years past. <clears throat> um, Chicago's an interesting situation as well because this is sneakily not a bad team that's picking third overall. Uh, they have some really good pieces in place. And I think last year they could have been a team that was more in the teens in terms of where they'd be picking in this draft, if not for a million injuries. So while last year was definitely a disaster for Chicago, it could have been a blessing in disguise in some ways because they're not horrible and they found their running back of the future. And that don't get me wrong, Mike Glennon needs to be upgraded on, you know, as far as what I've seen from his game, I don't think he's the long term answer. But you've got your stopgap guy quarterback. That position needs to be addressed for sure. You've got talent at tight end. You've got some talent at wide receiver it can be added to, I think. But Cameron and Meredith looks like he could be emerging. Kevin White, if he's able to stay healthy, started to show promise late last season. I think Marcus Wheaton could be better in, in this landing spot than he was in Pittsburgh if he's able to stay healthy. So there's some talent there, certainly can be added to, but the offensive line's good. I mean, Cal Long, Cody White here, and Josh Sitton on the inside is terrific. I think Charles Leno's really underrated as a left tackle in this league, and Bobby Massey's a capable right tackle, and they've got good depth too, so I think that this is a a decent offense. And then the defense, if they can stay healthy, man, you've got pass rushers and Pernell McPhee and Willie Young and Leonard Floyd and... Jonathan Bullard hopefully better in his second season, but Eddie Goldman's a stud, and Akeem Hicks really starting to come back into his own in Chicago, and the secondary obviously needs work, but if you can focus your picks on the secondary and and on perhaps the quarterback position in a wideout, I think you're really in a good place, and I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I think you're in a good place for the future in terms of being able to set this roster up for success and pairing a quarterback with a young stud like Jordan Howard in the backfield and that offensive line could be a really really nice landing spot for whoever signal caller ends up there but I don't know that they're gearing that way in the first round it doesn't seem like they're thinking about quarterback at all based on everything we're hearing um, so they what what they value at that point in the draft which to me would be probably cornerback or safety there's solomon thomas talk i'm going to talk about his fit there more tomorrow on the fan friday podcast because i got some questions about it but um there's solomon thomas talk there as well Uh, they do seem to have a number of pass rushers in 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 hand that that wouldn't be a top priority but again you got to think about the best player available in the future at the position uh, as well and you can never have enough pass rushers but it would seem like the secondary would be a top priority here um, or trading back if they're not going to take a quarterback. And to me, both of those moves would make sense. Marshawn Lattimore, terrific fit here. I think he also worked out for San Francisco. He's worked out for all the top five teams. So just throw that out there. Lattimore seems like he's getting a ton of consideration there. Uh, But Chicago's situation, yeah, very probably another one. Again, after San Francisco, there's no great feel for what any of those those four teams after Cleveland will do. And I can't remember a year like that. I can't, I can't remember a year where there's just generally no consensus about what's going to happen with picks 2 through 10, basically. I mean, there just isn't. Carolina supposedly wants to move up. Matt Miller was saying Carolina wants to move up and, and, and potentially select Solomon Thomas. They could get, get all the way to number 2 to potentially select Solomon Thomas or Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette going number 2 overall in this class would wouldn't blow me away because I would expect the NFL to have a high value on him, but I just think it's a mistake, man. Not that he can't be a good player, but with Carolina, man, your secondary's bad. You don't have a pass rush. Your offensive line's bad. You know, you gotta do something about these these spots on your team if you're going to be productive and valuing a running back and trading up and giving up resources to go up and get to me is the number is the third most talented back in this class. And you could even argue fourth depending on the scheme with Christian McCaffrey. You know, a guy that I would value late first, early second range—that's just a huge mistake, and and would continue a trend of draft a uh, draft trend with Carolina that I just can't get on board with uh, the way that they've built a team around Cam Newton, uh, I'm not valuing things that would help him a lot. Um, but that is something that's being talked about and being discussed, um, it, and we, now we're seeing a ton of intrigue with Tennessee at number five. I mean, we've talked about two through four. Let's talk about Tennessee at number five. I mean, this is a team that we've seen Reuben Foster go there. We've seen Lattimore go there if he falls. We've seen talk about Hooker and Jamal Adams there. Uh, We've seen talk about Corey Davis if they trade back a couple spots or maybe they take him right there. Um, I'm sure more that I can't even, not even thinking of right now. We've probably seen Jonathan Allen there. Um, So, Eric Edholm, Yahoo Sports today on Twitter said Titans could have a surprise coming at number five and be prepared for it. And right away, people speculated. Oh, uh, you know, I think uh, Jeff Fayer over at Inside the Pylon was speculating, you know, OJ Howard or maybe Jabril Peppers. Um, and I think uh, Jabril Peppers, man, whew, can't even tell you. I, I joke that I would have to deactivate my account. I think if Jabril Peppers goes top five, I mean, there, that dude should be a third round pick at best. Um, but you know, athletic promise and all that, and the NFL getting excited about it. But um, there's no way, no way, top five Jabril Peppers is going. Uh, I'll stake my claim on that right now um John Ross was also talked about see Ross makes sense in Tennessee to me because even though I don't wouldn't value him there I think Ross is like 29 or 30 on my board uh right now but why he makes sense I think in this situation is that they have the possession type guy in Tajay Sharp and and they have an outside kind of tower guy in Rashard Matthews who can stretch the field some too you know a slot type in Harry Douglas but there's nobody here that really is a true burner, a true big play type threat uh, and has that that prototype and that um, that kind of history with their game coming into here. So if you can add an element like that to your offense, it's huge, and you've got some pieces in place to be able to do that, go for it. And So I get the John Ross move for Tennessee. I'm not saying I'd suggest it. I like Corey Davis here a lot more, but I understand what they're thinking. It, you know, it's Looking at the nuance of drafting there and who they could acquire and how they could help the team – I get it. It makes sense, even if it isn't what I would do. O.J. Howard makes sense, and a lot of people might not see it that way with Delaney Walker here, but Walker's getting older, and I think that eventually that play will start to drop off with him. I mean, he's going to be 33, uh, I think, in August, so... And that play is going to eventually start to decline with him. Um, and you've got to have a guy there for the future. And wouldn't it be nice to have OJ Howard developing his game with Marcus Mariota giving him the football? And, and remember, run blocking super, super important for Tennessee and their tight ends. So I bet they value him a lot. If I was guessing today, that's who I'd say is going to be that surprise pick at number five to Tennessee. And I bet they're considering a couple guys because remember, Tennessee's not in a normal spot you're thinking about all the guys that typically should go top five. And you're thinking about quarterbacks and you're thinking about, you know, offensive tackles and they don't really need that. And you're thinking about pass rushers and that's a possibility, but they drafted Kevin Dodd early in the second round last year and Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo, both former first round picks, both coming off really good years. Um, And I know those guys aren't, consistently dominant across the board but i think you've got to feel pretty good in this class that you can go get another guy later and i think they like aaron wallace who they took in the seventh round last year so you have to think about where a rookie pass rusher would play in this in this uh on this team and so when you look at those key positions the pass rusher tackle and uh, quarterback they're pretty much set at all three of those positions so they could take a defensive lineman uh, you know they can take um a safety a corner and 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 feel good about what they're doing in the draft they could take a tight end they could take oj howard there and they could come back at 18 and they could take a defensive back that still is going to help this team a good bit i think uh, based on the depth in this class so the titans not in your typical top five position it's probably important to remember that when assessing what they'll do in the draft Uh, the chargers are the least talked about team in the first round i skipped over the jets intentionally because i i have no idea what's going to happen in front of them and no idea what the jets could do you know right now they're looking at a lot of different positions I would be surprised if they don't consider Cam Robinson or a or defensive back pretty heavily there based on what what the team needs and what Bulls' prototypes are. But, again, man, that just seems like a wild card right now, whatever the Jets do at six. Um, San Diego, has, I mean, has anyone talked about what they're going to do at number seven? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that they go with a safety if one's there, um, and, and especially a Malik Hooker type, I think, if he would be there. But I don't know, man. I mean, this is a team that, this is a team that could sneakily use a couple different pieces, but there's no crying need that makes it obvious, so, which I think is why there's so little speculation about what they'll do. You know, They they have Travis Benjamin and Keenan Allen's back from injury. Tyrell Williams had a good year last year. Dontrell Inman had a good year last year when Keenan Allen went down, but are those the guys you wanted? as your three and four receivers. What if Keenan Allen goes down again? Do you need an upgrade here? I think one could be useful. No one's talking about it. Russell Okun came over, but both interior guards, or both guard spots and the center spot could be upgraded. They they've brought in Max tourk last year, who I still think probably is the future at center for them, but they've got to get more athletic on the interior. Orlando Franklin, Donovan Clark, those guys aren't cutting it. DJ Fluker uh, took a hike, and so... This team's got to get better at the guard spots. Could Forrest Lamp be an option? You know, if they're trying to get more athletic by bringing in Tuark, and I know Okung isn't the same, but he's a big athletic upgrade over King Dunlap to me. Um, maybe for somebody like Forrest Lamp makes a lot of sense here, and we're overlooking the potential for him to go to San Diego. So, again, there's not crying needs on the offensive side of the ball, but I think there's enough needs that you could talk yourself into somebody like Corey Davis or somebody like, um, like Forrest Lamp. And then defensively, you've got your pass rushers, you've got your corners, but can Jason Verrett stay healthy? You know that's going to be the big question with him. I think Ingram's on the tag. You know how what what can you do with his future? I think Um, what's that going to look like there? Um, So I think that there's needs, but safety is obviously the crying one. Um, You know, being able to get a guy who can be the center fielder, free safety type is if Malik Hooker falls to them you've got to think San Diego considers this draft just a massive win because there's not a huge number of holes there. If Rivers can regain his level of play and they can grab an offensive lineman in the second round, I think this team's on on the right track again. We've been saying that, I know. But um, staying healthy is a big part of the battle for them, much like Chicago, I think. Um, Carolina's looking to trade up. I mean, they're, they're another wild card. If Solomon Thomas fell there, I think they'd jump all over him. Uh, but I could see them looking at an offensive tackle, could see them you know, looking at a wide receiver help would make a ton of sense uh, for them. Um, so this is a team that can go a number of different directions as well and has a bunch of needs. And this is just the trend throughout the first round. Cincinnati could go linebacker. They could go offensive tackle. They need them badly. They could go wide receiver. You know, They could go so many different directions as well. So we see this continued trend of in the top 10, there's just no consensus after number one at all. Which makes it fun, man. I mean, we got three weeks until the draft. Three weeks from today is going to be the draft. And we right now have no clue what's going to happen 2 through 10. And that's fun um, because that is going to allow for – there's probably going to be some movement in there. There's probably going to be some reaches teams that can't move that like a guy that wanted to move back for him. They're just going to take him where they can uh, because nobody's going to want to move up without a lot of – a lot of intrigue in these quarterbacks there'll be one or two teams but generally speaking i don't think there's going to be that and i don't bet they i bet they will not have to give up as much as they would have in the past to be able to move up so and then oh don't forget there's still the intrigue with jimmy garoppolo and jay cutler out there and kirk cousins and all that too so um you know that's another element to all this that that adds to the fun so Stick with us here. We're going to continue to talk about what's going on in the draft world, what we could see happening uh, both in the top 10 and outside the top 10. We've got a co-host coming up for you guys. Co-host coming up for you guys that you're going to meet on Monday. Excited about that. Uh, so make sure you keep it right locked right here. We're going to talk tomorrow coming back, Fan Friday, on Locked on NFL Draft. I'm going to tell you why the who is the next Dak Prescott storyline is one of the dumbest Storylines and topics that we've had in draft season for quite a while. And that is saying something. Talk about that tomorrow and a lot more. Get to your guys' questions. As always, make sure you keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in know the no compare progressive direct rates with competitors rates because knowledge is power visit progressive.com progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates comparison rates now available in all states or situations prices vary based on how you buy